Good morning, Firewheel. How are you today? See, the good thing about a Christmas song is you know it, and so we don't have the words. You can sing it, right? So. I just mumbled <laughs> Welcome to Firewheel, man. We are so excited you're here this morning. Um, man, we, uh, let me pray for us this morning before we start. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, God. God, we just thank you for this time together. God, I just thank you for, man, just every one of these people that got up this morning to come to church and to fellowship and to, man, just to uh, want to love you and hear your message and worship with you today. God, we just, we thank you for your grace this morning. We thank you for your love and just your compassion over us daily. Um, we all go through things, but you're still there. You're good no matter what. So, God, we just, uh, we thank you for that this morning. We thank you that you brought us here to worship you this morning. We love you and we thank you. And all God's people said, amen. So, uh, spend the next couple minutes, go fellowship with one another and say hello. Is this far enough?
did amazing.
Good morning. Hey, my name is uh, Kevin Davis, and I'm uh, one of the elders here at Firewall Bible Fellowship, and also one of our teachers here on Sunday morning. And what we do typically every Sunday here is we pause because if you're like me, you need a reminder from time to time about why we're here. And the reason we are here is to acknowledge Him who did for us what we were not able to do on our own. See, we're here because of Jesus and because He chose. See, I've heard people say before that His life was taken from Him, and that's actually not true. Jesus chose to give up His life for you and I, and He was the only perfect sacrifice because in Him there is no sin. The writer of Hebrews tells us this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And around the, the, the auditorium we have the, the tables of communion set up and the, and, and the bread is representative, symbolic of Christ's broken body that he chose to give up for you and I. And, and the juice is symbolic of his shed blood on the cross. His body, his blood, his sacrifice. And for us, it's our hope, our redemption, and our salvation. We also read from the Gospel of Luke, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, you are awesome, God. You are holy. You are worthy. You are loving. And we exalt your name today, Lord, and we take a break and we stop, Lord, to acknowledge what you have done for us, something we could not do on our own. My prayer, Father, is that this act of communion is pleasing to you, that your name would be glorified through it, for you and you alone are worthy, Lord. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Please join me in taking communion.
Man, I love being a part of Firewall. How about you? <laughs> I love this church, and I'm honored to be your worship pastor. If you guys will stand, we got one more song for you this morning.
Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and grace become my embrace to love. for your grace again this morning. God, we just thank you for who you are. Most of all, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for our salvation. God, we ask that you just uh, be with Adrian as he speaks and just give us ears to listen. <sighs> we just love you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen and amen. Good morning, Firewheel family. How's everybody doing? Y'all getting ready and pumped and primed for Christmas? right around the corner. So I hope that you guys are, uh, are doing well. If I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Adrian Pina. I have the opportunity to serve as the interim pastor here at Firewheel. And Firewheel's always been a place that we call home, and we are really glad that you are worshiping with us today. And those of you who are joining us online, welcome. And you are so loved. And so today we are continuing on in a series that we've been in, kind of our Christmas series. We've been looking at characters of Christmas, as I've called it. We've been looking at different individuals that played a role within the Christmas story. So we started off week one by looking at the real Grinch of Christmas, and we looked at King Herod, and we looked at his nefarious plan to try to eliminate, uh, you know, Jesus when he was uh, just about two years old, uh, to be able to prevent the plan of God from actually coming forward. And we see in the life of Herod, we saw that nobody could stop God's plan. And then last week, we looked at the first part of Jesus' earthly family, and we looked at his earthly father, Joseph. So when we look at Joseph, uh, he's kind of the forgotten and often overlooked character of the Christmas story. And we looked at Joseph, and he's a righteous man, a man through whom exhibited great faith, not only faith in the law of Moses in the way that he was going to... Uh, potentially receive bad news about his betrothed wife, and yet he was going to walk out according to uh, the acts of grace and mercy, according to the law. But we see that Joseph was a faithful man and an obedient man. And our one true statement from last week was this, that faith and obedience cannot be separated. And we see that through the life of Joseph. We see that he was a man who not only believed, but he acted upon that belief. He received the word of the angel and acted upon the words of the angel and took Mary to be his wife and named his son Jesus. Now, before we get into today's character, which uh, 
hopefully you've kind of got the picture or maybe the idea of who we'll look at today. I just wanted to show you, this is one of my new toys that I just got recently. Uh, any of y'all actually like have a problem collecting kitchen appliances? Y'all have a bunch of kitchen appliances at home, right? So we have, we have kitchen appliances for just about every single thing known to man. And we, because Jen loves to cook and she's a great cook, so I will supply her with everything she needs to continue to make the food that she makes, all right? So I, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll gratefully bear that burden, all right? So uh, over this holiday season, we bought one of these. Now this is an immersion blender. Now, an immersion blender is pretty cool. You can put it into something and puree it like a soup. You can be able to make sauces with it. There's all kind of different stuff that you can blend with this thing, right? Now, it's, it's pretty nifty looking and it's, it's fun to be able to have, but if I press this button, it doesn't, it's not working. Why is it not working? It's not, right? So I could take this appliance as every other box actually sitting, although the box may oversell it a little bit, but that being said, it has the opportunity to be able to blend and do that kind of stuff. But it just works. My wishful thing turns the it's disconnected from its power source. Now, everything within the actual uh, design itself has the ability and it's empowered to be able to do everything that the manufacturer, manufacturer desired it for it to do. The problem is, is that it's missing the power source that would unleash its purpose and potential, okay? Here's my point. It's that when we hear the word grace, often, especially in a church context, we rightly think about God's unmerited favor in relationship to our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, if those of you who were here when we preached Ephesians chapter 2, we talked a lot about grace. I mean, so when we're talking about grace, we rightfully define it, kind of a loose definition of saying that it's God's unmerited favor. And we often think about that in relationship to salvation. But that misses a whole idea of what grace really is about. Scripture doesn't just tell us that grace is this kind of thing that helps to save us, save our souls, but grace also is what, it's like this appliance once it's plugged into a power source. It releases the thing that we have been divinely enabled to be able to do so we can accomplish our purpose. So grace isn't that just which saves, but it's also that which empowers the believer to be able to fulfill their God-given purpose. Grace is a powering agent. It empowers us to be able to do that which God had intended. Here's my one true statement for you today. Is God's grace enables people for their God-given purpose. God's grace enables people for their God-given purpose. And we are going to see this very clearly from one individual who's a character in the Christmas story. We're going to look at the other half of Jesus' earthly parents. We are going to look at Mary. Mary is called throughout the scripture the favored one. It's basically where we get, it's the same Greek root where we get the word grace. She's called continuously over and over again, favored one. All right? And we are going to see how God enables his grace as an enabling thing to allow her to accomplish the purpose for which he desired for her life, to be the earthly mother of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's quite the level of responsibility, right? I don't, if, you know, just an angel just appears to you one day and says, hey, you're going to birth the son of God. All right, sign me up. Especially remembering when we laid some cultural context onto this last week, remember that Mary is likely 12 to 14 years old. So imagine your 12 to 14-year-old, if you guys have teenagers or if you had teens, think back to them. Imagine them coming up to you and basically saying, I'm willing to do everything that God wants me to do. I just want to be used as a servant. That's Mary's attitude. She, if I could pick one characteristic word of her, she is a servant 
who is divinely enabled by God's grace to accomplish her purpose. Luke chapter 1. So today we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. We're going to look at verses 26 through 28. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And we are going to see basically three kind of things about Mary. We're going to see three movements in this passage. But let me set the stage for you because we're jumping right in the middle of uh, a text. So, So to set the context a little bit. Luke has just recorded for us the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. Now Luke is going to proceed with the details concerning Jesus' birth. And it's very important to see both of these two coupled together. Why? Because they're both miraculous births. Plus, there's also characters that play into both of these kind of stories. Gabriel, the angel, is the one who gives the information to Elizabeth. He's also going to be the one to give the information then to Mary. So we see some of the same names in both of these birth announcements and what happens. Plus, we also know that it's something miraculous that happens on both of these accounts. And they happen to be family, okay? So it's really important to see these as parallel events that, uh, that kind of overlap to each other. Let's start at verse 26, just to set a little bit of the framework. So we're going to start at verse 26. The scripture says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed, we defined that word last week a little bit. Remember, it's much more than engagement. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, connecting this to David's lineage again. And the virgin's name was Mary. So what was this message that the angel actually brought? So we see that this angelic being is coming to bring forth a message. What is the message that is then received? Look at verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. You should highlight that. You're going to see the word favor or favored come up a number of times. O greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. So the angel calls Mary favored one. As I said, this Greek word basically is where we get the word grace from. It's a, it's a, a derivative of the word grace in Greek. Now, here's the thing. Is so not only is she called a favored one, she then becomes a recipient of grace. Every time you and I receive grace from God, we are recipients. It's nothing that we can earn. That is very true. And just like this, Mary didn't earn anything. Mary, there wasn't anything special about Mary for her to receive this call. I mean, there wasn't anything distinctly different about her as any other 12 to 14-year-old, you know, uh, person in this day and age. Yet God selected her and chose her and bestowed his grace upon her and calls her favorite. Okay? It's a work of his grace. There's nothing that she did to be able to earn this This amazing responsibility that she was going to have. The choosing of Mary was simply a work of God's grace. But I want you to see the scriptures, as I said, present grace not only as something that is this thing that saves, but also this thing that empowers and enables believers. I'm going to give you two different verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says this, And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. In this particular verse, we see God's grace enabled the apostles to be effective witnesses for Christ and boldly speak about his resurrection. This grace was over them. It was abundantly given to them to be able to give testimony to the resurrection and to act in power. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound to you, 
so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. This verse tells us how important it is for us to receive God's grace, to be able to do the work that God has in store for us to be able to accomplish good works. So grace isn't that which just saves us, but grace enables the believer to actually live out the Christian life. Grace enables the believer to have the power necessary, like an appliance plugged into an electrical socket, to have the juice that we need, so to speak, to be able spiritually to accomplish that which God desires for us in our lives. The angel promises Mary. He tells her that the Lord is with you. He makes that promise that God will be by her side. This is a work of grace, the fact that God's presence will continue to be with her. If we look back at our story in Luke 1, verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There's that word again. You have found grace. We can substitute the word grace. You have found grace with God. Now, Mary doesn't know what to make of this situation, and I think that's a gross understatement. As I said, a 12 to 14-year-old who receives the, an angel, angelic appearance coming before her to give her this message, and she's trying to discern, meaning she's thinking about, she's trying to understand really what's going on here, what is being said, and trying to compute the reality and the depth of what is being communicated to her. She's confused as to what is going on. The angel understands that she is confused and somewhat afraid and tells her not to be afraid. Why? Because she has found grace with God. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, is that if God wants you to accomplish something, he will give you everything you need in order to see it fulfilled. The reason why is because God is invested in that fulfillment in you and through you for what he actually wants to do so that way his name is glorified and made known. God's grace never takes us like part way. It never just saves us and then leaves us. No, God wants to enable us to be able to do his work so that he is glorified as, through us being recipients of his grace, knowing that we can't do it ourselves. She understands, but the angel reminds her, you have found favor and grace with God. Here's a principle for you. Just because you understand, don't understand, does not mean it's not God's plan. Just because you don't understand does not mean it's not God's plan. Sometimes, I don't know about you, if you're like me, any of y'all, how many planners we got out in the house today? Y'all planners, right? All right, you can raise your hand, that's fine, you know. So I like to plan, and I do not like it when a plan often goes awry. I'll be honest, sometimes I, I need to work on my flexibility when it comes to that. But that being said is that we can plan we could do all of these things, and at the end of the day, sometimes we just, we can't be able to understand everything because God's ways are not our ways. We can't just put him in a box and think that we just understood everything and know exactly what he wants and his timing, how it's going to work, and it's going to work out in this sequence, in this order that we have wrapped in our own minds. How many of you parents have ever experienced your kid asking you, when you have told them to do something, they've asked you the proverbial question, it's three letters. What's the question? Why? Oh, man, see, y'all said it in unison. Everybody knows exactly what I was talking about. Why? Why I got to do this? 
And then you would provide an answer, maybe, or at least some semblance of an answer, and then they would ask you the question again, why? And so, man, I used to make my mom hot. Oh, man, I used to make my mom hot because I would just purposely ask her why all the time, and i just keep asking her. And then inevitably it ended up coming to something like this, because I said so. <laughs> At the end of the day, it was just, it came to that point. It was like, okay, we're shutting it down. You get the point, because I said so. And the reality is, is that when that conversation would come to that point, what she was basically saying was that she was the final authority, and she was done explaining it to me. I don't know about you, but I have been walking with Christ now for 22 years. Faith still sometimes doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think that it's supposed to. I am a human. I am a creature. There's no way that my mind, as a human mind, can wrap its mind around the infinite. The only way that I can understand God is when God condescends to me and shows himself to me through his scripture. And just like he did, when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about Jesus coming in the incarnation, coming in flesh, it is God's condescension essentially to us to show us the clearest representation of who he is through the person of Jesus. We, the apostles were able to see God in flesh. Faith doesn't always make sense, but just because we don't know the totality of the plan doesn't mean that it's not God's plan. Mary did not have all the answers at this point. You're going to see as this conversation goes on, there's a few more questions that have to still yet be answered that have not been answered yet. And yet, as she is pondering, discerning these things, she is realizing that she is favored of God. She is, you're going to see by the end that she's just willing to say, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I trust you. She's willing to say, it's okay. I understand. I'm a servant. Let it be done to me. Look at verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give, him, will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So Mary's purpose, why she was favored, given grace, was that her purpose was that she would conceive this son. And his, this son, unique son, his name would be Jesus. Which means, as we mentioned last week, literally, the Lord saves or Yahweh saves. Now listen to the fourfold description of this son. This sounds like worship right here, just what the angel says. The first description of the son is that he will be great. In contrast to the rest of humanity, he is an extremely important figure in God's eyes and is significantly different, and he is greater than all. He will be called Son of the Most High. This talks to uh, Jesus' sonship. This, this talks to his position in relationship to God the Father, that he is the Son. He's also said that he will be given the throne of David. This harkens back to 2 Samuel 7, the Davidic covenant, which we talked a little bit about last week. That he is the Messiah, the promised one who is to come, who will sit on the throne of David as the ruler over God's people. And lastly, it says, he will reign forever over the house of Jacob. His kingdom will have no end. The extent of Jesus' rule will be forever and for all of eternity. There will be no end and nothing that will be outside of his reach in the extent of his rule. He is King of kings, Lord of lords. 
This was a very special child. Mary had a very special purpose in the plan of God, to be this one who would bear forth the Christ child, the God-man himself, Jesus Christ in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Now listen to how this woman responds. 12 to 14 years old, listen to the way she responds. Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now notice what is asked and what is not asked. Mary did not ask why. She asked how. If you ask why, especially if you replace the word why in this context, why has a suggestion of basically questioning the motivation or the reality behind what's happening. She's not doing that. She doesn't know the particulars of it. How is like, how's this thing going to work? She doesn't understand the particulars, but she doesn't question the motivation of God. She doesn't question what the angel, at the words of the actual angel. She's just like, angel, I don't understand how this is actually physically going to work, but I'm not going to ask you, or she's not going to question the validity of what is actually being said. She has questions about how it's going to be executed and fulfilled. She has correctly interpreted the angel's message to mean that without the assistance of a husband, that she is to conceive a child. But I don't know about you, but Mary must have not been dumb because she realizes that that's not a one-person operation. In order for a child to be in womb, that is not a one-person operation. She attended health class, apparently. So it's a genuine question. She says, how is it going to happen? But then we get the most beautiful explanation and kind of uh, mysterious in a good way, in a way that we can't even fully comprehend the supernatural nature of what exactly is going to happen. But let me say this to you first before we talk a little bit about that, is that when she asks the question of how, that does not mean that she's questioning or she has a lack of faith. Seeking to understand does not mean you and I have a lack of faith. Asking questions does not mean that you lack faith. Doesn't mean that makes you less of a Christian in that way. She's asking genuine, a genuine question, displaying as a way the curiosity even of her faith. Because the Lord wants you and I to know him. He has given us his word as his primary means to acquire that knowledge. But at, we are not God. We are not all-knowing. So the Holy Spirit has to give us insights. We are dependent upon God to give us insight about who he is. I love the word overshadowing. Listen to what the angel again said to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It kind of reminds you of, if you think all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering or covering over the deep. It's active. It's not static. We see the Spirit of God as an agent in creation, and he's working, he's moving, he's doing things. And as he's doing things, universes are being created through the Word of God by agency of the Spirit doing the work in creating. 
And we see this kind of language kind of gives you an impression back to that reality of Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. That the overshadowing and, 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 and covering is creative, it's productive, it's doing something in the womb of Mary. It's producing life, it's doing something unique, it's doing something supernatural. It's doing something that's not humanly conceivable in that reality. God is the agent by whom God will come into being in flesh. Something miraculous is happening here. And it's only by the work of God himself. Look at verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Mary never asked the angel to provide her some type of sign that what God was doing and what God was saying and what he was relaying was accurate. And yet God provides for her a sign. He says, you want to believe I could do this in you? You know your cousin. And guess what? She was barren. You know the story. I'm sure that they likely had conversations about the fact that she couldn't have a child. And yet here it is. He's saying that she is, she's pregnant with child. She's six months. As almost a way to say, if I could do that, what I'm doing in you is definitely not impossible. Don't worry about it. I'm the one who's working this. Something supernatural, something significant is happening here. I am the agent of the one who's doing what is happening and what is going on right now. Just like I was for Elizabeth, so I will be with you. That's why verse 37, a verse we quote all the time, makes much more sense in this context. And put it in, this, put it in the context of this story, it makes it even all the more incredible. Verse 37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. The angel has just told her a story about a woman who was barren, and he literally brought, God brought life to a dead womb for her to conceive supernaturally, to awaken a dead womb. However, the birth of Mary is even more significant. There is no human agency. It's all God, and the Spirit of God comes upon her to create in her, within her womb, life. And that life takes on flesh. And that, that flesh that it takes upon is this beautiful expression of total divinity, total humanity, and one person, and his name is Jesus. God with us, Emmanuel. The one who will save. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm struck by that when I read those words in this context. This is an emphatic statement of God's total power, which, if I was Mary, would bring great comfort to me. In the coming months, she's going to face many, she's going to face many words of ridicule, seeming to be pregnant with a baby that does not belong to her husband-to-be. And yet, here are the words of one of the two archangels himself coming to her about what God is going to do in her and through her. God's power, ladies and gentlemen, is not limited by what you and I possibly think he can do. The psalmist says that God sits in the heavens. He does what he pleases. God has the ability to do infinitely more than you and I's feeble minds can ever comprehend that he has the ability to do. As a matter of fact, the moment that we think that there is something we think he can't do or we think the limits of our mind have stretched that far, we've already put a limitation on him. Christmas is all about the impossible becoming reality. 
That's what it's all about. God coming in flesh. Coming to dwell amongst those he created and gave life to. To experience all the reality of what it means to, to, to have the limitations and the frailty of being in a human body. To experience all the levels of temptation that we experience, and even as Kevin read, but yet did not sin. We think of Jesus in being the fact that he's glorious, he's raised, he's at the right hand of God. We think of all those realities because we live this side of the resurrection, which is amazing to be able to think about that. But even in heaven right now, he exists as the God-man. God and man. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word translated servant in everyday speech, this word describes a person of a humble, uh, humble station in life who addresses a superior in recognition of their position. As God's servant, Mary accepts openly what God asks of her. My question to you today is, will you do the same? Here's the principle that we learn from this expression of faith of Mary, is that a willing heart is what the Lord desires. Above all else, God wants a willing heart. Mary's exemplary in the way she responds to God's message of grace. God can do with her what he wishes. This acceptance is significant. It's taken at great possible personal loss. There's risk in agreeing to go God's way, but as the Lord's servant, she willingly goes. And that's my challenge to you and to I today, is that are we willing to say, like Mary, are we willing to have a willing heart to say, God, whatever you desire, I want to do. Whatever you desire of my life, whatever it may cost, I want to be able to do that. Lord, consider me a servant. If you are a servant, that means that you have a master. We have a king. We are servants in his kingdom. The life that he desires for you and I to lead is a life of obedience, a life of sacrifice, a life that is, but he's not a, he's a benevolent ruler. He's a God who wants the best for you and I. He's a God who loves infinitely more than we can even comprehend. He's a God who, is, who works in mysterious and miraculous type of ways. He's a God who is willing to come to earth to be able to bridge the gap and to deal with the sin issue, to be able to bring us back into relationship together and all he's looking for. It reminds me of the words of Isaiah when it says that Lord, the Lord was looking around and Isaiah has this miraculous vision and he says, Lord, send me, I'll go. When he basically has this vision into the heavens and he feels like he's being ripped from the inside because of the uncleanliness of his own heart and of his own wicked generation. We get this picture of this angel who wipes his lips with coals in some way like a purifying kind of thing that happens and he says woe to me I feel like I'm being undone literally means like he's being ripped from the inside out because when our sinfulness comes into the beauty and presence of holiness then we can't help but recognize just how frail and broken we are and yet frail and broken humanity God's saying I'm looking for a willing heart frail and broken is exactly what I need Frail and broken, I just need a willingness. And if I have somebody who is willing, then I will do the work that needs to be done in them to work through them 
so that way I may be glorified, that people see me because they know I can only do what I can do with even the most broken and most sinful of humanity. The Lord uses people not because of themselves, but because of their willingness and submission. At the end of the day, that's what happens. You look at every story of the Bible, every hero that you want to take in the Bible. Look at their story, the stories that are told of them. At one point, no matter what was happening in their life, they had to have a point of surrender and basically said, all right, God, I'm going to give up and I'm going to do what you want me to do, even at great cost to myself. Please do not lose the significance and the familiarity of this story to recognize what's happening here. We're talking about a 12 to 14-year-old girl who just has had her whole entire life turned upside down, receives a message from an angel that she's going to supernaturally be impregnated in some way by the Spirit of God to actually birth Jesus. And that she is going to live with that responsibility now for the rest of her life to be the earthly mother of Jesus. And yet here she says, I don't understand all the particulars. I don't understand the fullness of what this all means. I don't even know why you chose me, God. But at the end of the day, I am your servant. Be it to me, unto me. That's grace at work. That's grace at work to change a heart to be able to be willing to say that. To be able to be willing to do that. Let's summarize this for you. Our one true statement was that God's grace enables people for their God-given purpose. Mary's a highly favored one. She's full of grace. We see that the time frame of the angel's visitation to Mary and Mary who is a virgin to be betrothed to Joseph in marriage, we receive, she receives this message of this miraculous birth that's going to take place through her. And it took grace for Mary to accomplish this purpose that God intended for her. We see the humility and willingness of Mary to submit in obedience to the purpose of God for her life. Mary questions how the impossible is going to happen, but it's not a lack of faith. It's only going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is looking for people just like Mary, willing to trust him so that he can fulfill his purpose in their lives as willing servants. So how can we put this into practice? I'm going to give you two points to walk away with to consider today. Is number one is with God, all things are possible. When you're speaking in terms of God, the word impossible is not a word in his vocabulary. When we talk about God. So my encouragement to you today is I know that many of you are probably here praying for something that seems impossible. I'm not going to make a promise to you that God answers. Well, actually, let me take a step back. Did you know that God answers every single prayer? He answers it one of three ways. Yes. No, the answer we don't like to receive, or it's not the right time. Think about that for a moment. God answers every prayer. Now, the reality is, is that some of you here today may be praying for some things that seemingly seem impossible on a human level. Whether it's the salvation of an individual in your family that you've been praying for for a long time. Some of you are facing some dramatic health uh, different crises in members of your family or even in your own personal body. Those kind of things. Some of you are underemployed and have some tremendous financial needs. At the end of the days, what I'm saying is that the best place that we can do is what we, what we do is we lay these at the feet of Jesus. And here's the thing is that even if God doesn't answer our prayer in the way that we intended or that we thought that we would like him to do even on this side of reality, 
if you are a person who's placed your faith in Jesus, then you have everything that you need. And what is redeemable for you is so much greater than what you're even asking for today. But our God is the one. This is the same God. Do you believe that this is the same God who split the seas and the Israelites walked on dry land? This is the same God who did a miraculous thing in birthing himself through a, a womb, through a supernatural means. This is the same God who raised the dead, who heals the blind, and was able to heal all sickness and manner of disease. And lastly, I'm going to ask, are you willing? Are you willing to be used by the Lord? Some of you may say, what do I have to offer to God? But at the end of the day, is your willingness is what he's looking for. God used a murderous stutterer in, Mo in Moses, a former, former uh, persecutor of Christians in Paul, an adulterous king in David, he can use any person who is willing to willfully submit themselves to his leading and to his will. The question is, will you give yourself over to what he has intended for you? Let's pray. So Lord, as we explore the life of Mary, we look and I am incredibly just in awe of the reality of such a young woman to be able to respond in the way in which she did. There's nothing unique about her that the story presents to us of any reason why you made the choice to choose her. It reminds me of the same thing with Abraham. Abram, who was a pagan, was definitely not a follower of the one true God, and yet you chose him and told, called him out from his land, and he followed well, here's this 12 to 14-year-old girl who you called out for a purpose and she followed. She listened and she was willing to give her life over for your purposes. Thank you that grace not only saves us, but it enables us to be able to live out this life that you have called us to, to be able to walk out the Christian life every single day. Lord, I pray that we are keenly aware of our dependency and utter need for you. That, Lord, that we may come to know the reality of your grace in a, in a very real way every single day. And not take it for granted. Thank you for the hope that this season is all about. Christmas is about the impossible becoming possible. Thank you that you have made a way where there seemed to be no way. So, Lord, we do love you and we praise you. We thank you for your infinite mercy and grace that you love us and that you continue to extend your hand out to this broken and dying world so desperately in need of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward and we're going to go have an opportunity for prayer. Every Sunday here at Firewheel, we take the opportunity to be able to have a time to pray with each other if you so desire. So this is a time where whatever your need may be, whether it's something that is personal, whether it's something that is spiritual, whatever it is, these prayer partners would love to be able to pray with you and be able to, as an expression of love, come, to, come before the throne of God with you on whatever that matter may be. So please give us an opportunity to be able to do that. I'm going to encourage the rest of you all, if you would like to stand, you can stand or you can stay seated. We're going to go ahead and worship. But I pray that this time, as I always say, and I mean this every Sunday, this is not a spectator time. What we're doing when we come to church is we're not playing 
It's holy. What we're doing is worshipful. What we're doing is important. What we're doing as the people of God joining together is significant. And so this is a time where if you're not going to come forward with prayer, I encourage you to engage in worship where you are. Whatever's on your heart, pretend like it's only you and God in this room. Just be able to connect with him. So let's think of an opportunity to pray. Let's worship.
first time here at Firewheel. Uh, we're really glad again that you decided to worship with us this morning. There's a QR code that you're going to find on the screen behind me and you can either scan that QR code or make sure before you leave today you visit our welcome center out in the lobby. You can either fill out the digital connection card or you can fill out a physical one there. We'd love to be able just to see how we can come alongside of you in your journey wherever you're at in your spiritual life and see how we can serve you. So I'd love to be in contact with you and just see what the next step is for you in your spiritual walk and we hope that you found your visit here to Firewheel enjoyable, and we'd love to have some folks give you a little gift just for worshiping with us. So I'm going to have the ushers come forward. We're going to go ahead and receive the offering. We're going to worship the Lord through giving. Thank you, guys. I know many of you during the end of the year think about end of the year giving. Uh, next Sunday will be the last opportunity to give during this time, unless you give online. But uh, next Sunday we'll be together again. But uh, I do thank you that God graciously provides through you to be able to have a building like this. And the reality is on earth it costs money. I wish we could say we could do ministry for free. Uh, but thank you guys for your gracious giving and just going to ask God to bless the offering. So Lord, just thank you that we can give to you a small portion of what already belongs to you. You're the one who gives us overly and above all we can ask or think. You are so good. And so Lord, I pray that you cause this offering to multiply, that you would allow us to be able to utilize it and steward it well for the purposes that you have given to us and to be able to reach this community that you called us to here in Rowlett. And so Lord, pray that you would bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm.
All right. Good afternoon, folks. Let's give one more hand to the worship team. Amazing job today. And I don't know if you noticed, but our worship leader is decked out in a festive attire. He swears it's not holiday-related, but I think someone's caught a bit of the Christmas spirit. So, Oh, yes, and there's anchors. He uh, served in the Navy, so hats off to you. Uh, moving forward, uh, next weekend, it's already here, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve service will be at 1 p.m. on Saturday, 1 p.m. And the following day, which is Christmas, we will have a service at 9.30. So 1 p.m. on Christmas Eve, 9.30 on Christmas Day. New Year's Day, which falls on a Sunday, is at 11 a.m. We're having one service, and there will be child care for two and under. So once again, that's New Year's Day, one service, 11 a.m., child care two and under. And then flash, flash, sorry, flash forward to January, we'll be having Doug Doherty. Uh, some of you may know him. He's a counselor down in Dallas, but he's going to come and do a couples talk, a three-part series, starting on January 11th at 7 p.m. That will take the place of the normal men and women's ministries on that night. So once again, that's January 11th at 7 p.m., couples talk. Uh, and last but certainly not least, if you need any information, you have any kind of question, any quandary, any preponderance, we have a website. It's a beautiful website. Some say the best. Um, thank you. You got that reference. Uh, but it's a great website, so if you need any information, all our contact information is on there along with all the events. So it's firewillfellowship.com, and if you want to speak to us in person, uh, we will be outside in the lobby at the Welcome Center. That's all I have for you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Keegan. All right, if we get you to stand, we'll go and get you dismissed. Just pray our benediction over you. So as you go out today, may you remember these words and walk with this blessing. May the Lord go before you to light the path and to give you direction. May he go behind you to guide your steps. May he go beside you to keep you from stumbling. May he go above you to protect you. And may he go within you to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our Father in heaven always grant to you character that is greater than your gifts and humility that is greater than your influence. God bless you guys. We love you all so much. You are dismissed. We'll see you Christmas Eve. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're good.